Welcome to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast, bringing all things health and wellness to the Tampa Bay community. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Reller, board certified family and obesity medicine physician. Please remember, while I am a doctor, I may not be your doctor. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not medical advice. Please seek out your physician for your specific needs. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Carrie Reller, your family and obesity medicine board certified physician in Clearwater, Florida. I think that the word diet should not really be used in weight management or weight loss because we think of diet as something that you temporarily do and you don't really stick to. That's why I consider it a bad word. So today I'm going to talk about obesity is not a four-letter word. I don't want you to think of obesity as a bad word. It's simply a term that is used to describe a disease, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. First, I just wanted to go over the definition of a disease in general. So Merriam-Webster defines disease as a condition of the living animal or plant body or one of its parts that impairs normal functioning and is typically manifested by distinguishing signs and symptoms. So basically, the normal functioning of whatever system is going on is resulting in some certain signs and symptoms. Oxford describes it as a disorder of structure or function in a human, animal, or plant, especially one that produces specific signs or symptoms or that affects a specific location and is not simply a direct result of physical injury. So once again, we're talking about disorder of structure or function that's resulting in certain signs and symptoms. So that's how I want you to think about obesity. Obesity is not a derogatory term used against a person. It is simply a disease. It is defined by the Obesity Medical Association as a chronic, progressive, relapsing, multifactorial neurobehavioral disease, wherein an increase in body fat promotes adipose tissue dysfunction and abnormal fat mass physical forces, resulting in adverse metabolic biomechanical, and psychosocial health consequences. Now, I know that's a lot of words and lots of mumbo-jumbo, so I'm going to try to break it down for you. So chronic progressive relapsing. Chronic disease is defined as continuing again and again for a long time or always present. You may or may not get over this problem, but basically it's going to be in remission. It's always kind of there, always something that you're going to have to work at. It's a lifelong process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Progressive. So basically, if you don't treat obesity, it's going to increase in extent or severity and progress further. So if you don't stop certain habits or things that are going on now, then they can progress and get worse. And then relapsing. So relapsing is the act or an instance of backsliding, worsening, or subsiding, or a recurrence of symptoms of a disease after a period of improvement. So that's kind of like I was saying with the chronic disease, it's always present. You may be in, quote, remission, like a cancer would be in remission, but it's still there and you can end up backsliding or it could come back. So you have to continually follow whatever you did that worked for weight loss in the first place to keep it sustainable. So multifactorial, what does that mean? Basically, it's having, involving, or produced by a variety of elements or causes, or caused by or dependent on the interaction of multiple genes combined with one or more environmental factors. So when we say something is a multifactorial disease, it's based upon your genetic component, your makeup, and environmental things that are sometimes out of your control and sometimes in your control. So 
the food industry is making it very difficult to keep us in good health. That's part of the environment that we're in, especially in America. Your family, the way that you're raised, certain cultures and traditions that you were continually raised upon and that you continue as an adult. And then maybe school exposure or anything like that, anything in your environment that you may or may not be able to control. Okay. So the Downey Obesity Report, this is 104 different causes that they can relate back to obesity. So if you look on there for anything that you know, resonates with you. I'm sure it's on there. So for me, starting college, perhaps, yes, definitely. A lot of people have it after pregnancy or birth by a C-section. It says delayed prenatal care, heavy alcohol consumption, gut microbiota. That is definitely a new topic. High fructose corn syrup, one of my favorite saboteurs of weight management. Menopause is often related to be cause of weight gain. Divorce, any social situations where there may be resulting emotional eating, skipping breakfast, large portion sizes, fast food consumption. There are many, many things on here, and I'm sure you'd find something that would resonate with your personal story of why you gained weight. So there's different genetics based upon your body's adiposity. Adiposity, just the fancy word for fat and beta cell dysfunction genes. So that would be related to maybe developing diabetes because the beta cell functions in the pancreas. And when they dysfunction, that's how you develop diabetes, whether it be type one or two. Then I can see the environmental factors. So you can see in utero, that means basically there could be some factors that were developed when you were in your mother's womb. Obviously, environmental factors like chemicals, we don't know. Some people think plastics are related to it. Maybe the microbiome, that's the gut flora that I was mentioning before. And then obviously, if you hear from anybody, increased caloric intake and decreased energy expenditure. So that's, you know, if you're not having as much energy expenditure, you're usually more sedentary or you're not exercising, things like that would have lower caloric burning. So you can see there's a big multifactorial relationship of why obesity exists and the environment. So neurobehavioral components. This one's super complex. I'm going to try to share with you maybe a top level. For the definition of neurobehavioral, it means of or relating to the relationship between the action of the nervous system and behavior. So certain chemicals in the brain and hormones in the body are dysregulated in obesity. So maybe the reward center of the brain driven by the neurotransmitter dopamine is out of function and you tend to have an addiction to sugar and you want more and more of it. Other hormones like leptin and ghrelin are dysregulated and they may have us focusing on different behaviors that may result in decreased satiety from increase in leptin or an increase in hunger from increase in ghrelin. And I'm going to go over those in a second too. The liver, your pancreas, and the muscle cells. So these are all integrating and working and burning all the sugar and energy intake that you consume and processing it where it goes, the liver, or if you have excess, it'd be stored in the fat. And then the insulin released from the pancreas help bring the glucose into the cell and then burn it in the liver. And then the liver may or may not release it to the muscles and that's energy out. So all of these peripheral things 
have hormones that send signals to the brain. And then in the brain, we have all these environmental lifestyle influences that actually can be somewhat adaptable. So things that interest us or related in the brain are our taste or palatability, whether we enjoy a food or not, basically cost or reward. So that reward center of the brain where you constantly want something over and over because it makes you feel good at the availability of the food, your body clock is also set by the brain. And then habits are also ingrained in the brain. All of these environmental and lifestyle things are influencing your brain. So we talk about like an early predisposition or wiring. Any early life events, they kind of imprint habits on you. And then there's epigenetic resources as well that can all influence the energy regulation and the pathophysiology of obesity. So it's super complex. It's not just calories in, calories out. And it's really not anybody's fault because this is what we're dealing with in the culture that we're going with today. Anyway, so ghrelin. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone. It peaks before meals. It is released from the fundus or the top part of the stomach, and it acts in our brain in something called the hypothalamus and the hippocampus, and it tells your brain that you're hungry and that it's time to eat. There's a disease called, it's actually genetic, called Prader-Willi syndrome, where it's extremely increased and these individuals are suffering with obesity at an early age. And then there's leptin. So leptin is the satiety hormone or the hormone that makes you feel full. It also acts in the hypothalamus of the brain. It's increased in obesity and it has to do with the fat cells or the white adipose tissue release leptin. And that leptin actually can lead to some problems like insulin resistance, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, hepatitis, etc. So generally, obesity is associated with leptin resistance. Basically, you're not feeling as full as you should, and your body is kind of not responding to the leptin that is there, even though it's increased in obesity. There's a whole theory and research going on about leptin resistance. There is such thing as leptin deficiency, and there is treatment for it as well. And that is a congenital problem. So GLP-1, if you pay attention to the weight loss news, you may be hearing a lot about these drugs that act on GLP-1. GLP-1 agonists are FDA approved for obesity treatment. GLP-1 is a hormone that is released by the gut and basically delays the gastric emptying. So it makes your stomach release the food slower. So it makes you feel full faster. So it increases satiety. It also increases the insulin secretion from the beta cells of the pancreas. And it acts on the pancreas and the brain. It acts on the hypothalamus in the brain. So those GLP-1 agonists actually act in the gut and in the brain to make you feel full and not want to eat as much. That's how those fancy medicines are doing really well. One example is Wagovi. One is Ozempic. There's Trulicity. And then the new one, Munjaro. Obviously, like I said, the hormones work on the brain too. So these other parts of the brain, the cognitive executive part, the hedonic part, and the homeostatic part also have a lot to do with working regulating the intake of food. The homeostatic part is like metabolic hunger. So you're actually physically hungry, time to eat. 
the hedonic part of the brain is more that reward center. Like you may not be actually physically hungry, but you want that dopamine hit. You want to feel good when you eat that sugar. It gives you that, you know, sense of euphoria where you want to do it again and again. And then obviously cognitive executive, that's where you would have the ability to say no, thank you. Like mostly maybe you would think about that as willpower. There's more to it than that, but that's part of it. So basically, if you make a plan ahead for what you're going to eat that day, that's using your cognitive and executive part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex. Whereas when you kind of make a spur of the moment decision to eat a cookie that you didn't plan for, that's kind of using your primitive brain or your toddler brain. So that's why I usually try to recommend patients that they kind of plan their food ahead of time, even those exceptions, like if you're going to have a cookie that day, so that you knew that it was your adult cognitive prefrontal cortex making that decision and not a toddler brain saying, oh gosh, I want that. It will make me feel good. And then the other part of the definition of obesity is the adipose tissue dysfunction. So that basically means there's fat tissue that is kind of not working as it should normally. And then also there's these other things, TNF-alpha, these IL-6, these MCP-1s, the other ILs. So those are inflammatory markers. Those may be cause of actual inflammation and why you don't feel good when you have obesity. Just from like, not just a inflammatory standpoint from an arthritis, which I'll talk about in a second, but from inflammatory from actually the fat tissue. There is an association between obesity and asthma because a lot of these inflammatory markers are in the same pathway as the asthma inflammatory markers. And there are some new medications that treat asthma that may or may not be helpful for those that also have obesity as well. It's pretty interesting research. And then another part of the definition is abnormal fat mass physical forces. So that basically means the weight that you're carrying on your body that may be extra causes those physical forces. So joint pains in your knees or feet, you know, arthritis, osteoarthritis anywhere, maybe rashes under your breasts or a, a big abdominal panis. So basically under the skin fold and sometimes even skin tags. I'm not sure if that's from physical forces, but that definitely can be related to weight. I know I was always taught that the pain, you know, the weight that you're carrying in your knees is usually three or four times your total body weight. So any weight loss at all can help reduce that extra weight that your knees may feel and make your knees feel better. So physical forces are for real with the weight. Okay, so basically in summary, obesity is a disease. It should be managed like any other disease. So when I give medicine for obesity, if it's indicated or the person wants to try it or not, it's meant to be used long term. It's not meant to be a short term. I'm not going to give you a blood pressure medication and then, you know, stop it because you're under control. If I take it away, you may not be under control anymore. The same thing with obesity. Fentermine that, you know, the weight loss clinics give out is not really meant to be used in that manner. You're supposed to be treating the disease long term. So that's what I do with my patients. It doesn't always mean forever, but it is meant to be used long term until the disease is in remission and we can manage it in other means. But remember that weight is just a symptom of obesity. Obesity is the disease. Weight is just a side effect. I really want everybody to understand that obesity medicine is not a bad word. It's not derogatory. It's not meant to make anyone feel bad. 
It is simply a disease that needs to be managed just like you would go to a cardiologist, you would go to your gastroenterologist and manage those diseases as well. If you have any more questions or you want to work with me, these are our websites, www.cfma.health or www.carriebellermd.com. And Clearwater Family Medicine and Allergy is the Facebook name and Instagram is Clearwater Family Medicine. I hope you keep tuning in every week. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast sponsored by Clearwater Family Medicine and Allergy. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with your family and friends. We would also love it if you took the time to rate and review us on iTunes. See you next week.